Alpha Omega London, maker of shoes, creator of waves in the fashion industry. We started this podcast series to tackle head-on the current issues that matter in society and to get honest views from the mouths that matter. In this series of Sustainability of Fashion, we'll be exploring fashion's precarious relationship with sustainability and its attempts to address growing concerns surrounding its non-conservational approaches to society and environment. Thank you all for tuning in to the fourth episode in our sustainability series. Joining us today, we have Nazina, Kate, Samia, Apranji, and myself, Ashwini. In this episode, we're going to speak about the prize of sustainability or of non-sustainable practices and ways in which businesses can approach sustainability. What do you think is the real price that both businesses and consumers pay for these products? Yeah, well, it, you know, it's something that Kate um, was sort of talking about just before we sort of started, which is the human cost that's associated with un- unsustainable practices, um, you know, in, in absence of, I don't know, factual, you know, information. You can sort of tell just by a lot of the news reports that we're just hearing at the moment where people are suffering um, as a result of non-sustainable, you know, working environments or non-sustainable pressures that have been adopted by these manufacturers that whose who's only real goal or focus is to make a profit margin, a, a substantial profit margin. Yeah, I guess we're, we're talking about like the ethical costs of fashion, not just the like financial implications mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. of non-sustainability. Yeah, generally, I think the ethical cost is is high. Um, you're not talking, you know, people are worried about putting a pound or two pounds on a garment that people are not going to buy it. On the other hand, if you've got um, a system that's damaging the environment, then that's costing everybody. Yeah. Um, ultimately, if you are... You know, we we talked about it before the the Rana Plaza building yeah, collapse, uh, factory collapse in Bangladesh. I mean, that's um, incredible. If you look at the the numbers of people who were killed, there's an actual number. Yeah. Yeah. Well, they there's a actually put a thousand, price to their like lives. fifteen hundred people died. Yeah, fifteen hundred. And a lot yeah. more were injured as well. Yeah. Yeah. And and you just and also you know the wider implications of that on mm-hmm. families and mm-hmm. relatives and the community in general. And that was really only came to people's attention because of the large scale of, of and the, the amount of lives that were lost. But the, that's not the it's not the first one to have happened. Mm. It won't be the last. It one. It won't be the last either. Yeah. Um, and if you total that, there's you know there's actual there is you know human lives have been yeah. given a price. Yeah. yeah. Um, so well, they're seen as commodities as well as you were yes. sort of talking. Mm-hmm. Yeah, and I think that's the thing. The the you know whatever animals are used yep. whatever uh habitats are destroyed whatever mm. and the human beings involved all of it is just a commodity yeah to make money yeah and you know the sooner you move away from that i mean there's no positive uh, other than mm. financial gain to be made there there's no other positives to approaching a business like that mm. so the sooner you you get away from that the better i think mm-hmm. The sustainable model hasn't come through because ultimately, initially, certainly, it is going to affect yeah. profits. Profit, it profit is, margins, yeah. 
it is going to add cost potentially yeah. you know that's going to hit the consumer yeah um, which is ultimately going to hit the business and that's mm. you know that's an unattractive proposition well it's not going to give the incentive for the consumer it, yeah to, there's to no have a sustain a sustainable sorry consciousness no and there's also there's, there's no incentive for the business to promote that no. uh, to the consumer and educate them anymore in mm. it or offer them alternatives mm. or do a, a complete overhaul of the entire industry mm. but then if you think about the fact that you're relying on resources that are finite mm. and there is a potential for legislation that is going to have to be right. brought in on industry much surely yeah. reacting too late to it yeah if he, if he took a longer term view surely it would be better to start incrementally implementing these things yeah. Yeah. or having you know the cost of actually not doing it yeah until you absolutely have to do it, yeah, yeah. surely that's going to be a lot higher. While, while they've still got a bit of control over what they do and how they manage things, yeah. it would be better in the short term to start working on it properly. Mm. Can, I, can I just ask, actually, who who are the, the clients of the manufacturer in Bangladesh? I think know? it was H&M, Zara and High Street retailers. Yeah, mainstream um, High Street retailers. Yeah. And what were their responses? Do they have documented responses? And the people who are directly held in charge, who are in charge of the building and the safety of the building and were associated with these brands just ran away. There was an arrest or warrant against them and they've just gone into hiding. And since then, I don't know whether they've been found or not, but at least for a long time, I know that they just escaped, really. Right. So, and the they're the big people with the money and yeah. they got away with it. So. And the retailers, what's their response to it? I don't think they had much to say about it because there wasn't anything out there from their side. Mm. They must have compensated it in some way or the mm. other, but I or don't... just hushed it up yeah. pretty much. Just hushed it up. Because I think, you know, introducing the concept of trans transparency, um, you know, that there's this sort of like a new buzzword of blockchain mm -hmm. and creating, you know, sustainable... Uh, sorry, transparency at every single stage you know, throughout the sort of supply chain process, that would be very useful in this particular scenario because mm -hmm. if you knew that your item was a direct consequence of that tragedy, as a consumer, you have that choice. The power is, you know, within your, you know, within you to be able to decide on whether you want to purchase that product and, and maybe just, you know, kind of contribute towards it being acceptable, you know, for that to occur because it will happen again. Um, so, you know, th there's there are certain things that I think, you know, us as consumers need to be made very aware of, but we're not. So a lot of these horrors are sort of brushed underneath the carpet and, and sort of taken away from the public domain as much as possible so these retailers can still remain bastions of whatever sustainable consciousness type programs that they've got going on when really actually where all the dirt has been done, they've, they've been very you know, savvy and concealing mm -hmm. while still selling you those products. Um, but yeah. Uh, I, I, That's I, the sad part that people still haven't stopped consuming from these high from these high street brands, even after such a huge disaster has taken place. That's like, interesting. They yeah. haven't stopped consuming from, like, you'd, you'd expect them to, you know, have some sort of a reaction to it. Yeah. But they I haven't really... discussed it as hard because yeah. you need an alternative. And if the alternative doesn't necessarily exist or if it's not strong enough, if it's not convenient enough, then people will easily mm -hmm. just give in to... And if you've got multiple brands using those suppliers, are you actually yeah. going to find yeah. an alternative exactly. that doesn't have, you know, maybe if not that particular place, but that they're not doing it somewhere else? Yeah. And I think it's easy for 
for probably some of these brands to not react too much because oh it's a it's a subsidiary it's someone you know but, but then they There's chose dis- them yeah absolutely absolutely so they are responsible yeah. because they chose that supplier yeah. and they should have you know checked yeah yeah um yeah. done a bit of due diligence and made sure it was okay but they didn't mm. so they can't just wash their hands of something like that because it wasn't them directly doing it you know you know it's very similar to um this dissertation that i wrote um many yonks ago but it was about the um the um the sort of employment laws um that were being violated by subcontractors who were manufacturing um footwear for new balance adidas i think nike basically the sort of sports or the footwear brands um and you know those big brands knew exactly what these subcontractors were doing they knew exactly what they were doing they knew you know, all the sorts of atrocities that were happening within the sort of practices, but they chose to do nothing. They mm. chose to just take a blind eye. I and think because they feel they're it. far enough removed from it that it's not going to affect their public perception. Mm. I think it's easier much. for people yeah. to ignore than to deal with the issue at hand. Yeah. yeah, yeah, which I find really astonishing. So I think having some sort of legislation, we definitely need regulation involved, but having some sort of unified legislation that kind of, it goes across all borders is is useful, particularly in this scenario. And it does sort of bring home the real cost, not necessarily financial, but the sort of social and ethical cost of these non-sustainable practices, basically, you know, affecting... Sure. Including, like, the water we drink, the air we breathe. Yeah, 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 yeah. So. Everything, everything. Which actually brings us to the next question. Why is it unprofitable or undesirable for businesses and brands to adopt a more sustainable approach? I guess just because it's it's not economically profitable necessarily for them. So I guess... Because, Capitalism. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, yeah. It's evil. So they because care. you're going to have to pay, you know, that means paying a fair wage. And uh-huh. that means investing in changing your infrastructure mm-hmm. and not using the factory that can quote the cheapest, but the one that's the most ethical or the one that isn't cutting yeah, corners. organic cotton and things yeah, like that. Yeah, and all the things expensive. like that. And I think when you've got bottom lines involved... Yeah, I mean, even though that is a really like short termist attitude and probably won't um, actually serve you profitability in the long term, yeah. but while it's a model that makes money, people are going to stick to it rather than bite the bullet and yeah, I think and I be think... prepared to invest. Yeah, yeah, in making a um, in making a big change yeah. without having their arms twisted. Mm-hmm. Well, I think it, I do think it's a bit of an illusion to sort of expect companies to do the right thing when their efforts are more concentrated in making money. Because, again, within the sort of capitalist paradigm, mm. exactly, that, that's the whole point. Like stagnation and, and, and non-growth, they're, they're things that are undesirable. What's desirable for businesses is to grow. Part of growth is, is increasing mm. consumption. So in a world like fashion, for example, where consumption is heightened there's no incentive really out there for a business to want to try and curb that or stop it or slow it yeah do you know what I mean Mm -hmm. so you know are we sort of like in this illusion when we think well companies can actually take the high ground maybe maybe not they can I think they just don't want to they don't want to yeah but in what ways could businesses possibly adopt a more sustainable approach and in such a way that it's profitable to them because there's so many ways you can go about sustainability and some might have bigger impacts with a lower sort of 
it for it to be easier for businesses to end massage rather than you know bigger things that might not cause as much of a change well there needs there definitely needs to be incentives for Mm -hmm. it which we've discussed but um you know I think I remember Samia you were talking about incentives as well for businesses you know if going in, in previous episodes where you've you've mentioned actually you know make it an incentive for a business to be socially aware I mean they 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 can make it for themselves because yeah. they can build a reputation and create a almost a relationship with the consumer yeah um about how sustainable they are and it will I know making a a um trustworthy business and showing like this their sustainable side to it can just yeah yeah no 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 and do you know what that's called apparently ethical capitalism yes that's right there's a word out there for it (laughs) i researched it ethical capitalism which is just basically a business model as you've just mentioned but with a purpose with a higher purpose and with much more of a drive than profit so it's really to the better good of society mm-hmm. and I do think that that is you know and it talks about the benefits as well which are far more long-lasting minimizes operating costs uh, through energy efficiency reduces waste improves employee retention rates and you know basically there's a real sort of like marketing effort towards this particular paradigm this alternative paradigm which is far more socially aware but you know the point is is that you know it's not just a be all and end all there are alternatives and better alternatives for business to adopt you know practices that are far more socially aware and more sustainable it's just whether they want to um, and definitely profit kind of needs to be further down the priority list Mm -hmm. so we just need to change just a quick reminder you're listening to the fashion vanguard's eo london podcast please subscribe on whatever platform you're listening on give us a review and carry on the protest enjoy the rest of the podcast just they could just see sustainability as a positive thing and use that to their benefit because mm. I do believe like if you take design design decisions in a way that you, you spend less but you yeah consider mm. sustainability when you're yeah. really like in the initial process of design then yeah choosing the manufacturing process choosing the right materials yeah well 80 percent of garments um impact is is derived from the design stage yeah and i think there are there are a lot of small brands independent labels who are really going like great guns to mm. you know they've got a vision mm-hmm. for this they want to make it happen yeah. it's it's what they believe in and they're bringing some really good products to market mm on is it so it's perfectly doable like if these guys can do it with a lot less capital behind them they can do it yeah yeah and they are actually maybe it's it's you know they're not millionaires yet and they're not floating their businesses on the stock market but they are having success um and they are doing well and they are like continually to build so if the the sort of the big guns can just scale that up yeah yeah, yeah. Surely it, it is actually doable. There might be an initial little bit of 
pain when you're investing in something mm. like this, but I mean, they're bound to have ways and means of offsetting that in yeah. some way. Yeah. yeah, I've got a good example for what yeah. Kate just said. There's this <laughs> a designer in New York. I think he's Brooklyn based. Um, he's his label. I think it's called Zero Waste Daniel, and he basically uses all of his products. Um, they're basically done in house by his. Um, a particular by his group of designers and they use all the excess waste from basically cutting room waste or scraps. They go yeah. around collecting scraps from fabric stores and then they make products out of those. Yes. So they cut those fabrics, they in- try to include them in the design and they come up with really unique one-off very very well done products yeah yeah so that that and he's he's gaining popularity because of that because that is very sustainable what he's doing and people are actually quite attracted to that mm. even his workroom in uh his showroom in brooklyn it's all um it's on the street but the window is it's it's completely like it has this transparency windows okay, okay. so people can actually see what they're doing right. so they're also including people and attracting them and yeah. getting them into the whole process of oh look how it, this is how it's done yeah, like complete transparency yeah mm-hmm. fantastic well, it's a little bit like food as well I think there's a there's a real trend towards sort of investing mm. in businesses that make use or or it or are able to to sort of create um I don't know business models out of waste food um I don't know where there is one particularly based in, in in London but it's just the group of guys that have just come up with the concept and it's doing really well it's actually they're able to provide very sort of cheap meals from you know the yeah. discarded you know bits and pieces from different or the things that actually you know, some foods just looks ugly so yeah so they turn it yeah like I think the Morrisons have oh, yeah, taken the wonky that. veg yeah wonky veg and they just <laughs> <laughs> a, a food that looks ugly is just being sold as cheaper foods. The rebranding of ugly food to wonky veg That's is so to use up the whole crop. Yeah. Well, but do you know what? That what's so interesting though. Sorry, it's off topic a little bit. I have a um, allotment, and I grow veg, and veg just doesn't or fruit it doesn't necessarily look pretty. What, what's the? I don't. What's your vision of pretty looking veg <laughs> the and, and fruits? The supermarkets want like symmetrical, really nice looking, yeah. shiny, and apples and or stuff like, like they cover foods. them with wax to make them look really shiny. And if uh, there's something with like a small dent on it, even if ninety percent of the apple is good, they don't, they can't really sell it most of the time. That's just yeah. crazy, and it's so true. It's down to psychology as well, particularly during the buying process. But Whole Foods, mm. I I know that with Whole Foods, a lot of people label it, particularly within their fruit and veg section, as like food porn. Because you go in and everything's sort of like stacked in a way where it just looks like you just want the just you just want everything. You're like kind of engulfing yourself in this world of fruit and veg because just everything looks just so aesthetically beautiful. Mm-hmm. And I yeah, I just think it, it just I don't Nature I, isn't beautiful. Yeah, and yeah, nature is isn't well, I mean it, it depends on what you depends class what, as beautiful. I think that's the thing. That's it'd be interesting so to know how much of that is driven by the consumer aesthetic what consumers and actually what big business think the consumers want and we've just then got used to yeah I think it's so it's what we expect but actually we we were probably all right with it how it was before do you know what I think I think it what first came was probably our perception of the appearance of the fruit and veg Mm. or you know the item and then just retailers kind of jumping on that 
and, and just going and just over right exactly so you know even though maybe the 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 sort of idea or you know the concept was was born from our perception initially it it's then kind of you know um blown completely out of proportion by by the retailer by the by the big business you know the big businesses yeah. that kind of run the industry but then if you're getting these kind of like oh we just repackage ugly food yeah as wonky and make it like cute and yeah, a bit, yeah 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 and a bit funny well then there must there's you know advertising has got a massive way to go in actually promoting the sustainability yeah, thing yeah yeah start remarketing stuff yeah. that isn't you know as quite as glamorous as perhaps mm-hmm. people don't think that sort of sustainable perhaps perhaps you know people have got an idea of everything's going to be like t-shirts knitted out of wheat and stuff yeah. and you know, that kind of eco yeah. tag that got put on things a few years ago that isn't sexy and glamorous yeah. but the, the fashion industry especially with all the marketing and advertising mm. tools and the ways of reworking anything, things yeah, and selling so true. selling stuff to people, yeah. they've they've got to be able to if they wanted to they it can they can sell this to people on an epic scale if they wanted That's to. So so interesting, and you're so right. They do harness like literally all the powerful tools. To and be they've able got, to, I mean, they've got all the capabilities as well. Like, mm. I mean, you know, obviously, I've heard from like smaller designers and independent labels that their vision for the future they're not quite able to achieve it yet and that's partly because the technological side Mm. and the science has not caught up with is not quite is either not as freely available right or it's not or it's just literally not in you know it's still in the process early stages of development it's not ready for them to make a viable product with so they're making everything as sustainable as they can at the present time yeah. and then slowly as everything catches up that's yeah. what they're working towards to achieve the full sustainability but with backing from big brands and there's also there's a lot of development going on in the materials industry but it's kind of making those again it's like everything at the moment it's still quite niche yeah the minute it becomes standard the cost come down right it's so true you know and the more investment and the more big brands that get yeah. involved and start putting money in and investing in these things the technology will, will speed up yes yeah and improve yeah, and yeah. become more readily available yeah. so it's ready for companies with smaller budgets to yeah. actually start using it as part of their standard range yeah, as yeah. well cross collaboration yeah, absolutely true. not just with technology even with other things things like with farming organic cotton and everything, if more companies want to use organic cotton, people will start producing it even more. I think yeah. it's just a cycle. As things keep, as pe- more people keep doing it, yeah. things it's will become more readily available. And then more brands will continue to use it. And that, that'll just, yeah, and then it, it, it just goes on. Break, you know, um, plateau, where you're, you're currently would be, brands were thinking they're going to be paying a lot more. The more standardised it becomes, mm. the lower that, that cost you know is is, to be sustainable so yeah yeah, i mean yeah again it's about like taking a more long-term view i think in conclusion businesses as well as consumers pay a much larger price than just what's on the price tag for unsustainable products in terms of human lives pollution and so much more Businesses need to view sustainability as an opportunity rather than hindrance. Ethical capitalism, which is businesses with a bigger, more meaningful purpose, is what we should aspire for.